Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. You've heard me say it before, but as host of the podcast series, I'm, I'm really continually surprised at the constant flow of new topics that we're able to generate with our participants. You know, sometimes it makes me wonder how law school can only be three years when we've been finding new topics each week for well, going on uh, four and a half years now. We've got a lot to keep us busy, a lot of great topics. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and, and this week we cover what sounds like a standard theme, divorce, but rather than discussing what we're used to talking about, the view of the common topic of dividing assets, we're going to consider the actions and responsibilities for dividing debts that also occur during that process. Joining me for this detailed look is one of our best contributors, especially in the realm of family law, attorney Christina Regal of Laval Law Limited. Uh, you've heard Christina with me here on the podcast a number of times in the past and always look forward to hearing her viewpoints, including those today. So let's get to it. Christina, welcome back. Nice to have you here. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be back. Yeah, it, it seems natural that most people focus on the assets in a divorce, who gets the house and what about the contents of the 401K and other things like that. But I, I guess we don't really often think about all the liabilities that also exist. So with someone with your experience, when you think about the average marriage, there's likely to be some significant debts that uh, are on the books what types of things are we really considering and thinking about in the conversation today? Well, uh, uh, probably the best example of this is uh, uh, the flipping on the, on the head of uh, the the um, old style of divorce, where you know prior to the pre real estate bust, we saw you know divorces where the single largest asset of most couples would be their marital home, and after two thousand six, two thousand seven. Um, the marital home often became a liability, not an asset. Um, and so if you kind of wrap your head around that, that notion that a lot, of people have, a lot of people have a house that's actually worth less than they owe on it, uh, the, the idea of debt, marital debt, becomes really important. And we're not just talking about marital debts and mortgages. We're talking about credit cards and car loans, student loans, bank loans, personal loans, family loans, all those sorts of things that, that play in to um, you know, a household's finances. Yeah, a lot of different things to really consider. Let's, let's kind of go through a couple of those, and, and let's start with credit card debt. Um, obviously, that's a, a major factor for a lot of households these days. How does that get handled when you start to figure out who's responsible for what? Well, um, most divorces start out as a 50-50 split of assets and liabilities. So if you think of the credit card debts as being a one lump sum, you know, debts in her name and debts in his name, all tallied up into one number, um, you're going to look at pretty much dividing that 50-50 or offsetting some debts in some ways. So, um, you know, I'll take this bank loan if you take these credit cards that are in your name. Um, So if you think about it as being a 50-50 split, each party is going to end up with the debts in his or her name until the point where it's no longer a 50-50 split. And then there, there can be some sort of allocation that's made for one party to pay the debts in the other person's name, whether it's via a lump sum distribution or making payments uh, each month. 
Now, I'm sure that, and I don't want to generalize here, but I'm sure that occasionally the, the split in some marriages revolves at least in part around money and finance. Um, and I you know, have seen situations in which one party has run up a lot of credit card debt. Um, when it's excessive like that, is, can, can one party be held accountable, as you just described, or is it all, as you said, just one lump sum, and you know, if you pay more here, you pay less there? Well, that's a good point to raise. There are these issues. It, it would be a mistake to think of the moment up until the divorce as being a as, as being uh, the time where all um, marital debts are created. I think that if you look at the um, the time at the filing of the divorce, what the debts were at that time, or um, within the last probably year, six months, maybe eighteen months. Um, those debts that are incurred prior to that time would be probably be considered marital debts, whereas someone went nuts and ran up Caribbean vacation, uh, right, you know, filed for divorce and then charged up a bunch of credit cards with expensive vacations or things outside the normal course of the way that family um, spent money, that's not going to be a 50-50 split of those debts. Um, you know, we're pretty much going to want to see the parties um, dividing up debts that were the ordinary the ordinary expenses of the household. So if someone decides they want to go buy three new um, Fendi purses, um, that's not going to be something that husband has to pay 50% of. Okay. Now, you, you, you gave us a nice list at the beginning. We talked about mortgages, credit cards, uh, student loans or something you mentioned. I guess before we go any further, um, maybe just step back. Are there any types of debt that would not be included in a divorce uh, that would always be set aside? The um, pretty much you can look at student loans as not being divided in a divorce. It would have to be a very unusual circumstance. And when I'm talking about student loans, I mean student loans for the uh, the spouses in divorce. If there were okay. loans that were taken out for like a child, like parent student loans that were taken out for a child in both names, and those could be divided. Um, but you know, if a husband um, went to medical school, took out student loans to do so, um, and now is a, is a physician, you're not going to find that wife is paying the bill for the medical school student loans. Um, those are going to be pretty much left to one party, the party who incurred them. Okay. Now, as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, interesting, as, as you flipped it there, you know, in our lives, uh, the biggest financial commitment is, is often a mortgage payment, and um, nowadays, for many people, it's, it's the biggest liability. Um, I imagine in many cases, if there's owned property, that one of the spouses will get to stay in that marital home. Um, does the obligation for mortgage payments still get divided, or is there any uh, sort of accounting for the person who gets to stay there having to pay more of the share? You know, divorce lawyers have had to be creative in the last several years in terms of figuring out how these debts are going to be paid on these homes. Often we're looking at payments that um, outpace any one party's ability to make a mortgage, you know, to make a mortgage payment um, to supplement that with just strictly one income. Um, so in, in those aspects, if one party decides to stay in a home, the easiest, the quickest solution is just to refinance that that mortgage in that person's name and that person's name only. And that might come with a buyout of the other side if there's a lot, a buyout of the other spouse if there's a lot of equity in the home, or maybe it's just a wash. You know, certainly it's easiest for the parties to say there's really not much equity or no equity at all. We'll refinance. Um, 
in one party's name, and that person will move on to continue making the payments. Um, that's certainly an easy solution. Um, the ones that get a little more complicated are when one party has to buy the other party out, and let's say we'll give the person who keeps the house the house, and the person who um, who doesn't keep the house, you know, an outsized share of the retirement accounts to compensate them for their their share of the equity in the home. Or in a situation where, um, you know, the parties just don't want to sell. A good example would be in a situation where, um, you know, the children are, you know, maybe 16 and 17 years old and you need just two more years in that school district and then you'll be moving on. Um, you know, the parties can agree in a marital settlement agreement through the attorneys to um, stay in the house for two years, both contribute toward the mortgage payment, and then sell the house 24 months or so later um, and split the proceeds, you know, 50-50 or in a way that's already decided in a marital settlement agreement, that, that they'd both be required to participate in the choice of a real estate agent and the setting of a listing price, that sort of thing. Um, but we, have, we do see all kinds of creative ways that attorneys can play around with how to deal with these mortgages so that the party doesn't have to refinance, so that, you know, one party can keep the house at that favorable interest rate they got, you know, back in 2010. Um, there are lots of different ways that we've been working on that. Um, we're hearing today from Attorney Christina Regal of Lavelle Law Limited. Christina contributes to several of the practice groups over at the firm, uh, 21 attorneys there now, but primarily she focuses on family law, and the firm has really developed an outstanding reputation in that area. And uh, Christina and her colleagues offer a wide range of experience um, in, in that area. If you visit lavellelaw.com, you're going to find some information on the family practice group uh, as well as uh, information on the individual attorneys such as Christina. You find articles they've written and past podcasts that they've been a part of, so uh, I recommend the site. Um, now, I mention that, Christina, because I'm wondering if divorce is an area in which you may end up working across several practice groups in a firm like yours. And what comes to mind for me is you just talked about the, the tremendous debt that uh, people may find themselves under as they go through a divorce. In divorce, is bankruptcy ever an option for one or both parties, or does that have to be a whole separate process if, if they're in the dire straits of that of that sort? No, that does. I mean, people can file for divorce. To, people can file, excuse me, for bankruptcy together as a couple or separately. And you know, in situations such as such as those, it, it can be a you know they can find people can find themselves. Let's say they want to let go of their house. They want to um, not reaffirm that debt and um, you know give up their house. Um, as part of a bankruptcy, they can find themselves essentially living it without make, living in it without making mortgage payments while their bankruptcy um, proceeds and before the foreclosure process happens. Um, but they can file for bankruptcy separately or jointly. Um, and and you know a bankruptcy attorney is best suited to make recommendations on which one works best. But um, but it it can happen both. You know parties do not have to wait to file bankruptcy until they. Um, you know, until they're divorced and they don't have to um, file separately just because they're divorcing. Um, so there are different ways that they can go about that. And as, as we look at that situation, bankruptcy, where it becomes necessary, um, you mentioned the, you know, the divorce agreement, what it spells out, um, the types of things that, that might be included there. What about the accountability for debt that's run up after the divorce and uh, one person is paying uh, alimony or some other type of payment, and the, the other spouse uh, starts to really incur excessive debt. Uh, what's the responsibility for the divorced party uh, who is who is not responsible for that debt at that point? 
yeah, there is no responsibility. Once parties are divorced, and let's say, you know, ex-wife starts running up a big credit card bill, husband's off the hook. Um, you know, a, a, a good marital settlement agreement should, almost any marital settlement agreement should say that the parties are no longer responsible for each other's debts. You know, so a good marital settlement agreement would be, put a bright line as to who's responsible for what, and anything incurred after that date of that um, dissolution of marriage would be on the person who incurred it. And in talking about the settlement, um, you know, obviously this uh, inv- involves a process, uh, you know, takes some time and involves uh, attorneys like yourself to help work through the process. When someone is, is going into this, what do you need from them in terms of, you know, a list of all the debt and records? Uh, I'm sure that to do uh, uh, your job correctly and to make sure that the settlement is done, there's got to be full disclosure from both parties. Do you, you have to kind of pull teeth once in a while to get all that in place? Absolutely. It's tough for people, you know, to figure out what it is that they owe and what it is that they have. A lot of times you'll see one spouse uh, caring entirely for the the household's finances and the other person being, um, you know, kind of in the dark, not by reason of any wrongdoing, but just because they, you know, they didn't, they weren't, that wasn't a duty they had delegated to themselves. Um, and so really what we're asking people to do is really figure it's really dig down, figure out what all the assets and liabilities are. And it's important in every divorce. It's called discovery. And, and we need those financial documents so that we can put the best picture, um, best settlement picture together possible without knowing that there's a big debt out there there's nothing i can do to divide it um so really people have to really figure out what it is um what what that what it is that they owe and what it is that they own before um, an attorney can really uh, do a good job for them uh, something that i encourage all of my clients to do is to get a credit report that says a list of all their open accounts so they at least know what it is that they owe and to whom it is that they owe it. Um, Sometimes you will find that people have done um, untoward things with their spouse's credit and, um, you know, getting that credit report is really a good picture of what's owed and what's out there. Well, obviously, uh, always more to the topic than uh, than I imagine as we get into it and always never enough time to actually tackle uh, the the topic in its entirety. So I want to certainly... Uh, thank Christina Regal for being with me today and taking the time to share some of this information. As I said, LavelleLaw.com is the place to go to get some more information about the Family Law Practice Group and find out more about topics like this. Um, and uh, you can always reach out to Christina at uh, kregal, R-E-G-A-L, at LavelleLaw.com. Uh, any of the attorneys at the firm can also be reached at 847-705-7555. And uh, they'll be happy to spend some time with you, uh, do a quick consultation to make sure that uh, they understand your needs and provide you with whatever assistance they can. And we'll uh, do the same here to provide you with updates on uh, interesting topics from week to week. Thanks so much for being with us. Look forward to talking to you again next week on Chicago's Legal Latte.